a star for me. I think it's your destiny. On the big screen for me. That's a show I like to see. I can be a groovy scene. If you just play for me. I watch you on the TV screen. Come on, let me make you famous, famous, famous. This is Crystal Jordan, and you are tuned into the second episode of The Fame Attic. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. So the first thing we have to talk about today, we have to jump right in because we are, it's October, November is our presidential election, and crazy things are happening right now. Would you agree, Brian? Crazy things are happening. <laughs> the, um, the candidates are definitely crazy, so I think there's not a choice. But the fact that 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 president elect, uh, the Republican candidate, has made the most probably some of the most misogynistic comments towards women that I think I've heard. Period. Maybe in in a long time by anyone in a political in a political ca- uh, candidate format. I would agree with that with that. Okay. Or okay. Okay. What about any politician? I would agree with that also. Okay, because one of his one of his advisors made a statement that actually our good old friend Ben Carson <laughs> was uh, was 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 overheard saying that he still supports Trump, and one of his aides said that rap music makes comments like this all the time, so kind of like giving Trump a pass because obviously with music it's okay, and I think that's very different, but I do get the point. Well, I, I think that, you know, with somebody like Donald Trump, who's a, a mess of sound bites, that's really his campaign is just sound bites. He's using that WWE raw slash rap battle beef. He's using that to his his advantage. So that's his campaign strategy. That's what it is. <laughs> there isn't any there isn't much else. Once you peel all that away, it's like that's what it's for. That's 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 why I think that this is such a fitting time for this show because we're we're basically here to prove that Pop culture drives this country. And I think that Donald Trump is a perfect example. This candidate was birthed out of pure pop culture hype. Yes, he's a he's a successful businessman, but we don't really know how successful. We just know that he's very popular for being very wealthy and for, you know, being behind some huge reality shows and for being someone that says things that are off the cuff because he's rich and has the ability to say it. I don't even know if they're off the cuff. I think they, they're planned. Really? I think that they're just really ignorant and he knows that they are. And he just says them, he plans that. He has to plan. I don't it. know that he, that he said he just, whenever he sees attractive women, I'm paraphrasing, he just kisses them and he would just grab them, <laughs> grab them by their genitalia. I can't imagine that that was planned. But uh, can you imagine the, when, if, okay, let's say, he, let's say he did plan it though. Could you imagine you know, the uproar in the room when he said, hey, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say this? I, mean, I think that <laughs> there has to be, you know, I don't think you would just, I could be wrong, but I don't think you just open your mouth and say those kind of things. Even on reality TV, I think there's got to be some scripting involved in it. Well, I say this with, well, I started to say with all due respect, but no, <laughs> not with any respect. I believe that, that he's just an asshole. 
And I honestly believe that he's just speaking from his gut. I think it's impulse. I don't believe it's strategy. It can't possibly be strategy. I think it's just him. You think it's working? I don't know. I really don't know. I think that the the the, the last debate, I mean, Hillary, I, I don't know. I am, for, for the first time in my life, I am at a place where I don't know if this is a big PR sc- scheme. This is a wag of the dog where we're being led astray and, and, and the, the goal is to really make all of us vote for Hillary. I have no clue. We, I, I just, I'm literally at, awe, at, at, at a loss for words that he, we, we're in October. We're almost mid-October. We have, one, we, have, we have about 45 days before this person could possibly be the leader of our country. I won't play a part in it. <laughs> I refuse. Speaking of the other leader of our country that's trending, so Kim Kardashian, we all know that she was robbed. Um, Allegedly. Ale- <laughs> Allegedly. She was robbed last week, and now she's, you know, uh, there have been allegations that perhaps it wasn't exactly the way it was reported. Maybe there was some embellishments that happened, and then she's made a, a, an allegation towards the concierge that he wasn't upset enough and kind of uh, attacking him and suggesting that he was in on the robbery. So he made a statement um, basically lashing out against Kim. And again, this all works to keeping the robbery in the news, distracting us from the fact that Hurricane Matthew has taken the lives of 900, over 900 people have died in Haiti. Yet... There are more headlines about the fact that Kim Kardashian's concierge says that he was calm because, and he actually saved her life because he was calm. She suggested that he was calm because he was in on the, the robbery and he suggested that um, his, his calm response uh, enabled him to save both their lives. So I guess we'll see. I do, I do hear that... Kim has taken off of keeping up with the Kardashians, which tends to make me believe that perhaps there is truth to the to the robbery because nothing could keep them from taping. I'm surprised so they is, didn't tape this. Is that what happened? Because I already got canceled. Oh, that could be the spin. Then is that the spin? I don't know. I heard <laughs> I heard that that they was um in they weren't sure when it was going to come back. And, but I'm saying now maybe it's because she decided she wasn't going to be a part of it. I don't know. Well, she's going to be a part of it. She's taking time off to spend time with her children and to appreciate life, or at least that's the story that we're being told. And I don't mean to be insensitive, but we've just seen time after time the Kardashians use family issues and, and different things to entertain. And so I'm a little bit skeptical. But most importantly, it, there are just so many other things that that we're not concerned about that concern me. <laughs> So um, today's today's episode, we have a, we have a guest coming on from uh, that's been behind the scenes, production coordinator, production assistant, producer for several um, you know uh, reality TV shows. The idea that reality TV pretty much shapes pop culture is something that's interesting because years ago celebrities were based on the fact that they did something. Mm-hmm. Now we have celebrities based on the fact that. A show is opens a casting call, and they have a pre-described uh, understanding of what they want in a character. You fit that character. You come on. You do a great job at that character, which is supposed to be yourself, and then you become famous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I think that reality TV is. 
I mean, I think it's exactly what this show is about. The, the addicted to fame thing. Reality TV is that. Right. Right. It's, it's, I don't even have to be good really necessarily at anything other than being famous. Being famous, which is, which is what our, our new, our new, did you guys, I hope you guys liked our new uh, intro for the show. It's all about being famous. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is about. So we're going to welcome her on here in just a few minutes. But so, so you're, so Donald Trump, Kim Kardashian, last minutes. I would vote for Kim K. I think she is the other, like, I think she should have been the other candidate. Vice president. Yeah. No, I think seriously. How amazing. Because <laughs> Kanye said that she was more influential than Michelle Obama. I kind of agree. Wow. I kind of agree. I, okay. I hate that, but I kind of agree. I think we should make t-shirts that say Kim K <laughs> Kim K for president or Kim K for vice president. I mean, look at, just here in Atlanta, look how many women are walking around with the Kim K template on their body and face. It is. It is. I don't know anybody who's getting the Michelle Obama template. Wow. Wow. On that note, our guest today is an associate producer for, actually she's worked on several reality shows that, um, no matter what network you're uh, fond of, you will probably have seen some of her work. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Mercedes Springer to the show. Thank you, Mercedes, for being a part of The Fame Addict today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you have been working, um, you actually have a degree in mass communication, correct? Or mass yes. media arts. Yes, from Clark Atlanta University. Awesome. Awesome. And you've been doing reality for pretty much most of your career, Yes, I was fortunate enough to come out of school and um, jump right into it. So it's it's been a blessing. It's taken off and I've been steady. <laughs> well, you definitely have. And I think the thing that, you know, why we're so excited to talk to you today and, you know, why this topic is, is so, um, you know, imperative for us to discuss because a part of the, the, the pop culture is definitely shaped um, from reality shows. You know, those are the new celebrities today. So the work that you've done, and you've worked with a, a, a lot of, you have a diverse background in working with several different shows, but that pretty much drives what's popular uh, today, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would. Um, I think a lot of people get their uh, take on pop culture from reality TV, whether it's hairstyles, uh, who to date, what not to do. Uh, people are definitely taken from reality. You're, you're definitely who to date. <laughs> I remember that was a big thing of reality a few years back. And um, one of my, you know, my client Chili was on What Chili Wants. We did two seasons of that with, with VH1. But that kind of started the reality craze, like, you know, on a whole nother level. I remember that, you know, Paris Hilton and I think Nicole Richie had a show and there were some other shows going, even uh, MTV's Real Life. But right. it wasn't really it's until Flavor Flaves, <laughs> <laughs> Flavor of Love, that reality really just became, you know, what's hot on television. Yes, so, yes. I mean, it, sad, sadly, and I mean, it's pros and cons to that because you do see women on shows like uh, Flavor of Love who are, you know, kind of, it's like a cattle call, you know, after right. one man and, you know, I hate to see it in today's society where it's kind of, you see that now in everyday life, women <laughs> chasing after one man. But You do. Here in Atlanta, where, where, where we're based at, you definitely see oh, several <laughs> women <laughs> sharing one man, much like Flavor of Love, or even The Bachelor. I mean, there's, you know, re reality, there's different levels of reality. So let, let's jump into some of the shows that you've been a part of, because you, 
you have a, a, diver- a really great background here. Um, the first show that I want to talk about is, is NBC because NBC is kind of like the giant of, <laughs> of network uh, programming. So tell us a little bit about working behind the scenes for the Spartan Race. Oh, wow. Um, Spartan Race was absolutely amazing. It's something, if you look like, well, in my background, it's something completely different than what I'm normally working on. Um, And that was just like entertainment at its highest peak, like watching. I get to literally sit in a control room where you can see 100 monitors of cameras everywhere. And Spartan Race is like a huge obstacle course. So those those are people who have trained for a year and they come there and they're just swimming in muddy water and climbing up uh, all these different types of walls, like pushing their bodies to the extreme. So that was a pleasure. That was like entertainment for me just to right. be there and, the, you know, watching it unfold. Do you know what what do people so so every casting call you mentioned like the girls for Flavor of Love or some of the other shows kind of like a cattle call but when you're trying to 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 look for cast um, castmates for the Spartan race what are some of the things that the producers are looking for in that type of reality? Well, that type of reality they're looking for people who are to the extreme. You know, they want the person who trains every single day. They live, breathe, eat this type of race. They do these races all over the world. You know, they travel to do these things. So they're looking for that extremist um, in that sense. And then they're also looking for the opposite end of the spectrum for someone who's never done this kind of race. You know, their body might not be physically in shape to show like both sides of uh, to the extreme, really, you know, to get both of those stories into play. Right. Now, one of the things, I think one of the biggest, we're going to dispel some of the myths of reality TV today (laughs) because, you know, people have so many assumptions, especially, you know, people that are not behind the scenes and in the business. They have so many assumptions about what happens and what's scripted and what's not scripted. So for Mm -hmm. something like that, are you able as a producer to script what happens by, you know, in any in any form? Are you able to kind of shape how the the outcome goes or is that totally up to chance? Um, what, are you familiar with that show in particular? Briefly, briefly. Oh, I, I didn't watch it all the time, but I do remember seeing the ads for it. Something like that. Well, that type of show, no. I mean, those people are literally thrown in the wilderness and they're just... I mean, they're going at it. They're on different teams and they're literally just pushing their bodies to the max. You can't uh, script something like somebody breaking a rib or, you know, somebody's drowning in a pool. Like we have, you know, people there to help lifeguards and things like that. But it's just completely uh, non-scripted. And that's actually what I love to work on. Things that you don't get to feed a cast member or tell them what to say or tell them to walk into the room 500 more times to get the perfect shot of their stiletto shoes. You know right, what I mean? So right. those, are the, those are the shows I love to work on, completely unscripted. Okay, so we're going to get into some of those other shows that you worked on that definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't, don't, um, don't apply to, to this type of thing. So, so basically with something like that, I would imagine that there's a huge liability clause or, you know, people probably have to <laughs> sign off on something like that. Did you see a lot of things that were, you know, health risk or... or just, you know, dangerous or things that were, that that you all may not have accounted for, surprises and being able to be quick on uh, the draw as far as being able to accommodate different things that happened. How often were you guys surprised at the outcome? I mean, every, every single time you would go into, you know, an episode of that show and you would think one team is going to win and then their lead person might scrape his arm on barbed wire while he's climbing through mud. You know what I mean? And then they're, now they're carrying him because his leg might be 
his ankle might be uh, wounded or something like that. So you really can't predict what's going to happen. I mean, and, and as a producer, it keeps you on your toes, you know, to cover what camera is getting what. Like, it was really, it's an adrenaline rush. That show was a complete adrenaline rush. <laughs> what do you think, because that's, that's definitely a lot, but obviously if you guys are catering that to people that, that's their daily routine anyway. They're extremists. They're ex- extreme sports and right. fitness, you know, fanatics. That makes a that makes a little bit more sense. But what do you think is a driving force behind a lot of the people that try out for a show like that? Do they want to be famous? Do they want to be, um, you know, do they want to be a celebrity, or are they truly just compet drawn, you know, driven by their competitive nature? Hmm. <clears throat> that's a good question because I feel like. With every show, you get some people who are there because the cameras are there. And then you have uh, some people in in that instance, in that particular show, you have people who had great stories about um, defeating breast cancer or things like that. There's always people who sign up for reality television for the exposure or to launch maybe a business venture or things like that. So you get a little bit of both. You can't really, you know, it comes from both ends of the spectrum. Now, when it comes to editing something like that, because obviously the, the, the general public doesn't want to see, we want to see blood and gore, but you don't want to see too much to where people aren't entertained. So how much of, how much of the, the real um, danger or, you know, causes of the element were you guys able to edit? Or does that play a part in the present, in taking that program from, you know, the production and taping to actually presenting it in, a, in an hour format on, on NBC? Well, well, the cool thing about my job is I watch, I literally sit in the control room and I watch a hundred monitors about what's going on and I can hear conversations and things like that. And I, if you ever see a courtroom reporter and she's like taking notes for every single thing that's being said, that's kind of like what I do. So I can take a conversation piece and I can mark it at the minute mark and what camera it's been on and say, hey, we need to play this in editing. Like I'll send that over to editing and say, this is the scene we need to use. This is the line. This is the word that the person said that we need to put in there. So when it comes to Gore, uh, NBC or different networks, they have their own uh I don't know what to, they have their own cap on what they do, what right. they're what they're willing to show on daytime television or nighttime television. But if I think it's good, I'm gonna tell you, listen, she was talking about such and such mama right here at this <laughs> moment, and you know, we need to play that because it was good. So right. <laughs> it's up to the network really to make the, the final decision on what comes to edit. Right. Okay. Now, one of the other shows that you were a part of, and I actually got a chance to to um work with two clients for this show is say yes to the dress. So oh, okay. Tell, tell the audience, because for people that may not have seen this show, I think it's, you know, as a hopeless romantic myself, I thought it was a great, it's fun. It's, you know, for most women that, that look forward to getting married, it's a it's a lot of fun, but it's totally different. My producer is putting a thumbs down right now. But, <laughs> but I know, but, you know, but it definitely appeals to um, TLC. I, I, I believe it airs on TLC, but it definitely appeals to the hope that the little girl that grows up wanting to get married, talk a little bit about say yes to the dress and what the process um, is like with vetting people for that show. Oh man. Well, I mean, that's one of my favorite shows as well. I watched the whole six hours of that today before I spoke with you. So working on it was absolutely a pleasure. Um, As far as casting goes, a lot of times those women have uh, stories that pull on the heartstrings, too. And I don't know if they're necessarily looking for women who have a story, but they want women who resonate with 
your everyday woman, if that makes sense. You know, right, right. they want someone where you're watching television and you can, because I mean, a lot of women are getting married. That's what women do. It's a, a television show that's catering to women who are getting married. So they're looking for the, the woman who is sitting on the couch and, you know, she's looking for her wedding dress. So they, they pull everyday people in that, in that show. Right. I enjoy that. Right. Right. What is the what is the editing product? So I remember we, we did once we did one uh, with a client where we, they had all her friends come out and they wanted to have friends that would say things that were uh, in contrast to each other. So one friend had to say, oh, I like that dress. And another friend was supposed to say, oh, I don't know about that one and kind of give her a hard time. So there was still an element of conflict and, you know, and then eventually conflict resolution that went into the production behind the scenes, even on something as as as, you know, innocent and harmless as say yes to the dress? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I didn't take, I wasn't a producer on that show, so I don't, I'm not positive of how they edit things for that particular show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with any, there's always a element of truth, whether, I mean, I don't care if it's the most scripted or the least scripted, there's always an element of truth of where they they may take things to the extreme, but there's always that underlining. Well, there already was conflict. They already conflict there, you know, so they do uh, interviews with these women before they go upstairs and look for their dress. So that might've been something where, you know, they might've said in the interview that, you know, me and my sister don't necessarily agree on the type of dress that I should wear. And then they take it upstairs and they, you know, they play into that more, but they don't necessarily create that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So they make it a little bit bigger. Make it a little right. bit bigger for the TV. They can. <laughs> right. Now, the difference is, so with Spartan, with I'm, I'm not sure if there have been, you know, superstars created from the, the Spartan race. I, I don't believe that there have been any superstars created from Say Yes to the Dress. That's usually something that you watch. You enjoy more about, you know, seeing this woman find her dress. But that personality doesn't res- doesn't resonate with the public past that. Now, right. you have worked on the monster of all reality shows, <laughs> as I like to call it, The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, I believe that The Real Housewives of Atlanta has the biggest ratings on Bravo right now. Do you know if that's true? I, I think the last season premiere, they, I know they broke some type of record. Um, so I, I know their numbers are outstanding. Their they numbers are. are definitely outstanding. And they've created some superstars. I would just say that I don't think anyone could disagree with me that NeNe Leakes has become a household name um, based on her uh, performance or her <laughs> being a cast member of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Just from your perspective, you know, to start out, what do you think it is about that particular um, franchise that has really, you know, just been a staple and being able to really become, I mean, they, they are a part of pop culture. They are featured in every um, A-list magazine. They are invited to, um, to, to television shows as guests. I mean, that, those women are really looked at as the new celebrity. So what do you think it is about that particular franchise that resonates so much with the public? Well, well, just to be clear, I was not a producer on that show, but I will say those women are entertainment. They are pure entertainment. They are funny. You know, they come up with the most clever things. Like, I think Shade was originated on The Real Housewives. It absolutely was. Absolutely was. You know what I mean? And (laughs) the things that they come up with just at the drop of a dime, you know, you can't take away that talent or that wit from each of those women. And 
they have their own businesses. I mean, Candy is doing the bedroom, Candy, you know, and she has completely turned that into, I mean, that looks like something from Mary Kay. You know, Mary Kay, they (laughs) hire these women and they go out. Right. You've taken this platform and turned it into, I mean, you really have to commend those women for doing that because they've taken their platform and turned it into something bigger than the name or the franchise. So they become relevant in pop culture because they're not just seen in the five or six months during television season when their shows are being aired. You know, they're starting their own businesses, hairlines, all those things. So they become a part of our everyday life which makes them a part of everyday conversation and what are they doing, you know? So Brandon themselves, I think, has made the television show bigger and thus the television show being bigger makes their brand and businesses bigger as well. That's 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 a unique perspective. I, I can see that. I think that it seems like Atlanta has the the biggest and, and with between Candy and Nene, definitely has the biggest, um, I, I guess, would speak most to that, being able to brand yourself outside of the show. But then also I, Bethany Frankel became, with the skinny girl um, skinny girl hey. line that she had, was yes. huge, absolutely huge, and, and, you know, made a lot of money and left the series and then returned to the series after the business kind of, you know. And she's a, becoming a household name as well with her, with the margaritas and things like that. Like, if you, I feel like if you take, the platform that's been given it to you and you've made it more of a business aspect, you know, it, it just becomes a part of branding. So I don't think those women don't necessarily ever leave that show or they will venture back. You know, Nene was gone for a while, but then she came back because it's kind of, it gives that foundation of where people have first met you, where they know you, where they're comfortable seeing you, but then you also have your hand in many different other pots, you right, know? Right, Now, so you were a production coordinator for um, Real, High, Real Housewives of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and then you also went on to work, because that's where Kim Zolciak started, and then yes. she actually got her own spinoff. So tell us a little bit about the, the, the idea. I think another myth of reality shows is the fact that editing kind of creates something that's not realistic. Like you may have someone who comes in and doesn't have a volatile personality. And because people assume because of editing, they're able to, you know, come off a totally completely different way than, than their personality is. Is that, is that true in your opinion? And how, how false do you think it is? And why do you think that's the perception that people have? Well, to be honest, to some extent, I think that, like I, I said, it's always an element of truth. You know, there are some uh, cast members who, you know, might instantly regret something they said. But I always like this, like whatever you say, I feel like it's 90 percent truth. You know what I mean? Just because you said it in the heat of a moment doesn't mean that that's not how you necessarily feel about a situation. But and don't get me wrong. There are shows who literally might text cast members, uh, say this, you know, line, you know, to get someone um, turned up or, you know, pointing a finger or whatever, like people, especially in my job, we know what might push someone's button because right. we've been watching you all day, you right. know, right. they might put you in a house for weeks at a time with no television and no internet and no outside connection to anyone. So they know that this is a situation that might inevitably cause some kind of drama. So I like to say that people, producers might put you in a situation, but you're very much capable of controlling yourself. <laughs> right, right. Well, they, it seems like I've always thought that production coordinators or showrunners or producers were a little bit of a psychologist on the side <laughs> because they seem to know what what they can pull out of someone. 
you know, how to how to tap into the, a part of the person's personality that they may not want to be brought out. And they know how to kind of agitate that just a bit. Yeah, there's a show out right now. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the show that's out right now. And they show the behind the scenes of, you know, a reality show. It's a scripted show. Have you heard of this? It's called no. like The Real or something like that. And it's based off The Bachelor and how the producers kind of coax these women to, you know, drink a little bit more, you know, go talk to such and such. She was saying this about you. Right. And it's while that show is scripted and it's more to the extreme, I think producers, because we're almost like the, like you said, a psychologist in a sense, mm-hmm. sometimes the cast doesn't necessarily trust each other, but they may trust the producer to tell them how they really feel. And as producers, that might be, um, what you're necessarily supposed to do to say, well, we need this on camera. Like, don't tell me, tell her. Or, right. you know what I mean? Like, if that's how you really feel, go say it. So like, there is an encouragement to speak your mind. But believe me, the the ideas don't necessarily come from the producer to go say this. You know what I mean? Right. They may be, they may be planted and coerced and, and <laughs> <laughs> but never just outright told well, this is what you I should do. I can't speak for every show because I do know there are shows that, you know, that do literally, you know, give somebody exactly what they want them to say. Okay. Or, you know what I mean? Like verbatim, you know, or that wasn't good enough. Actually, I need you to say it again. And then it just becomes more like you're trying to train an actor on the spot. And that's never fun. Yeah, well, that's I think that's another myth that people have, and maybe that's true, but I think there are a lot of reality shows, and there's there's the feeling now that things are very scripted, you know, that there's a storyline, yeah, that needs to be followed, and so that's already set in place, and they're just looking for the right, you know, real person to fit this role. Yeah, well, I mean, there are shows, absolutely, that... You know, this is this is our agenda. You know, the storyline might be there before, you know, filming starts. You know what I'm saying? Right. So and they are looking for, you know, a specific person to be a specific side chick or whatever. You know, like there are those type of shows where there's a script. <laughs> I will say that's another thing. I will say and I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to announce this. that I really believe that the side chick became a accepted idea from mm, reality mm, television. Girl, I know where you're going with this, yeah. <laughs> I think so. No, I think that there, you know, there used to be this stigma of, you know, a lot of people were in that situation, but it wasn't anything that you wanted to talk about. It's, you know, something that people kept hidden. But I think, you know, I think from Love and Hip Hop, especially, um, <laughs> Love and Hip Hop kind of, kind of opened the door to where it became acceptable and even encouraged to be, the the quote unquote side chick, you know, and 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 I've heard a lot of people say the side chicks started winning based on loving <laughs> hip hop. So okay, I'm going to ask you not to. We're going to put you out on the spot, Mercedes. We're going to. I know that you have to keep your job, but tell us, give us an example of something that you witnessed on a reality show or something that you may have have orchestrated, even that people would be surprised to hear um, from behind the scenes. Um. Something that 
Okay. Maybe an idea of something that was coerced or something that you that you were able to get because basically these things are based on ratings. So if you're having a if people are having a conversation and everyone's getting along and everything is copacetic and we're kumbaya, that doesn't make for great television. So great television comes from conflict and eventually conflict resolution and then of course more conflict. So on some of the shows that you've been a part of, we know that this Real Housewives and some of the family shows, maybe not. Um, and then also later on, we'll talk a little bit about the rap game because that's a, a lot different than, than the Real Housewives. But is there oh. anything that you remember seeing that you were like, whoa, I didn't expect that to happen or whoa, we're going to get, you know, people are really going to love that or people, viewers are going to be surprised to see that she reacted this way. Well, I will say, as far as uh, producers kind of throwing a monkey wrench in the whole game, I think sometimes whether if there's a surprise guest, like I've seen that happen. If somebody just pops up and, you know, cast wasn't necessarily ready to, to be thrown that monkey wrench, you know what I mean? And then it's like a big blow up. So that's the only thing that I've seen or witnessed where, you know, producers have single handedly like we knew something was going to happen and didn't necessarily tell cast. But if there's a surprise guest pop up or things like that, that's happened. Right. But um, how do you feel about that? Do you do you feel like if a person is on a show and they've signed up to be a part of this and they get a surprise that they weren't prepared for that may, you know, draw an emotional reaction, maybe hurt or anger do you think that's fair do you think all is fair in reality and war or do you think that sometimes producers may go too far Hmm. I think that if you know that it is going to be a negative emotional um heartstring pulled that may be going too far but I can't say that they know that this is going to happen like you 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 can't really predict how someone is going to react to a surprise guest or a situation that they weren't prepared for. But yes, they do sign the paperwork. So I think they know, and especially people who've been on this, you know, shows for seasons and seasons, you kind of know what you're signing up for now. Right. You know right. I mean? So especially I can't now. say that I sympathize necessarily anymore because you know what you're signing up for and you know that, Things can come from any which way at right, you. Right. So it's like being prepared. And they know that we have a job to do necessarily to make television. I don't I don't like to capitalize off drama. I haven't worked on shows like that in a very long time. And I like to do, like you said, my, my newer resume is more family-based. And I like those shows. And that's where I'm comfortable at. Because it's not fun. I, I can speak on, you know, another co-worker of mine literally seeing a cast member cry their eyes out and, you know, turn to an audio person and say, what, what do I do with this? You know, like they are, you know, lost in a moment. And she said, like, I went in the car and she said, I had to reevaluate what I'm doing because it didn't feel good. Right. And right. when you work on those shows like that, to be honest, because I listen to conversations and I'm watching it constantly working on the show, you leave with a negative negativity on you. Like right. you can't help but not let that affects you as a person. Right. So it doesn't feel good to work on those shows. Just as messy as it looks on camera, believe me, it's just as messy behind scenes. Right. So it's not fun to work on those shows. Right. Well, at least not for someone that that's not their goal. Exactly. Right. Because yes. I think, I do believe, I've worked with a lot of producers and I do believe there are producers that enjoy drawing that out because yeah. their their bottom line is the ratings 
And people love to see other people hurting. They love to see other people angry or embarrassed, you know, for, for whatever reason that, that, um, that's entertainment. That's entertainment. Right. So, okay, now you the last project, or at least one of the, the last ones that we have on your resume is the rap game. And that's totally different. I would think that would be a lot of fun. This is the show with um, hip hop mogul Jermaine Dupree, shot here in Atlanta, correct? Yes. Yes. So, uh, uh, that, um, well, and I, I sent you something. I was in my car when I got the email about your post. So I'm like, well, this is the most updated resume I have. I haven't sent it in a while. I've been blessed not to. Right, right. <laughs> but, the rap game, as well as um, Little Miss Atlanta, that just came out on TLC. Okay, that's perfect because I I was I didn't know about Little Miss Atlanta, but for the rap game, the rap game you're working with children, and we know Jermaine yeah. Dupri is someone that has always you know been very successful um, developing and breaking acts that are underage. You know, right. I would say. So, how was that experience? And then talk a little bit about also Little Miss Atlanta. How was that experience, and how is that different? Um, from working with adults? Well, I will say with the rap game, I've been with them since the, the beginning. We're in season three now. And it is by far one of my, I love working on this show. And I don't know why the different elements just kind of gel, but they do. I love working with kids. Jermaine Dupree is absolutely amazing. Like so down to earth, so humble, so easy to work with. Like, and that's, that's the sidebar, but you would, you would be surprised at how many reality stars are just, uh, you know, nails on the chalkboard to work with. And we then are celebrities surprised. who are true, you know, <laughs> then did something with their life, you know. <laughs> well, we don't know. We are, we're not surprised. And I think that's, that's the thing with this topic is that reality stars have become the new celebrity. But right. the difference with that, and I, I remember there's a quote from, um, I, I, oh my gosh, John Bon Jovi. He made a quote about the fact that years ago, celebrities were built from people doing things, people working hard and doing what they loved and what they had a passion for. And right. celebrity celebrity was an after effect of your hard work. Mm-hmm. Now, celebrity has become a result of you going on TV and basically making an ass of yourself or, you know, doing enough. So I do think that's going to create a different type of celebrity because Mm -hmm. the hard work is not there. So I think that's really, you know, one of the things that we talked about when looking at this topic is the fact that celebrity is very different when we're talking about a reality star than we are when we're talking about someone like a John Bon Jovi that worked for years at this craft and is amazing and he became famous because of that craft. Right. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I'm telling you, what I'm working on now, doing the rap game, it it feels more fulfilling. You know, there's an innocence layer there because they're children. You know, um, producers are not coaxing or, you know, they just let the story unfold. You know, and I really I enjoy that about my job, just feeling like, um, you know, you get to see the growth in these kids. They come in, you know, they're rapping. And then by the end, they're like, you know, full on performance. This confidence level rises up. That and I'm not sure if this was on my resume, but I did uh, Beyond Scared Straight. Oh, wow. Which was another adrenaline rush. Like just going inside of a jail with young kids who, you know, these are take them off the street. They've been acting out or whatever the case may be, behavioral issues. And to see the the transformation happen in 24 hours. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I found my niche. That's where I enjoy working to see a transformation. So and now with Little Miss Atlanta, all that, like, I, I like the kids element because there's a, le- a level of innocence there that, you know, that you're helping more so than. Right. Now, tell us a little bit about the, what is, what is the premise behind Little Miss Atlanta? 
Oh, Little Miss Atlanta is kind of like taller and tiaras, but it's like the black version. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it, it's very much, I mean, we got little sassy young girls who we're seeing our young black girls who, uh, you know, they're already calling themselves queens and, you know, they have these big dreams and these big goals and they're, you know, competing in pageantry and winning titles and things like that. Wow. Okay. All right. So, so now if parents are looking, because I know here and probably in, in LA and, and, and most most cities and, and states that are driven towards celebrity, there are a lot of people that want their children to be on television. Do you think that there's more protection? Do, do producers look out? Are there things put in place so that the children aren't uh, taken advantage of or, or, or do feel safe and protected in, their, in, in the things that they're saying and, and the things yeah. that they're being asked to do differently than they would be for an adult? You know what? That's a good question because you even saying that I it's uh, brought up a memory of working on Little Miss Atlanta and you know um, they wanted to put a kid in the front seat and she's like five years old. You know what I'm saying? But they want to get this camera shot while she's driving and and it, the people who stood up and said, you know what? No, like she, you got to be 12, 13 years old to sit in this driver's seat. I don't care what television show, whatever the case may be. We're not doing that with this little girl. So you do see people stand up more in those situations where they're, they're speaking on the child's behalf. You know what I mean? Sometimes more than a parent would speak up. Right. You'll see production people kind of like, you know what, I'm not doing that. I'll put this down before I shoot this or, you know, put audio on that or anything. So would you allow your child, would you allow your child to be on a reality show? Depending on the show, (laughs) depending on the show, um, I I don't have any children. Uh, it's a hard question. I don't have any children, but it really would depend on the show and the premise. Okay, well that's fair because usually people can say one thing, but when you when you bring it to their backyard, they're like, uh, I don't know. For my child, maybe not. <laughs> for some for someone else's child, yes. Well, Mercedes, I have to thank you so much for um for coming on the show today and kind of shedding a light. Hopefully, some of our listeners are able to hear a little bit, kind of get a, a snapshot into what really goes into being on reality TV and how it, it may not or may or may not be exactly what they thought. Um, one last question. What do you think are the qualifications? Well, if someone wants to be a reality star, what are some, what is the one thing that you think they need to know before they go into a casting or before they send their picture and their, you know, their story in? What is something that they may need, that they need to know that they may not know going into it? There is no privacy, period. I, I mean, people might sign up for a show and they think, you know, right, okay, at this moment, I don't want the cameras on me. It is that cameraman's job to continue filming. That is actually, he's probably getting a rush off of you even saying that or putting a, a finger to the face, to the camera, hand <laughs> shove or whatever. So there is no turn off. Once you turn this on and you sign up for this, your life is on, period. No turning back. So, got it. That's good. Good advice. Good advice. Well, thank you so much, Mercedes. We appreciate it, and um, and and we'll be we'll be looking for more of your shows to come out. Good luck with uh, the rest of your career. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, so you guys heard it. Mercedes said, if you are looking to be a reality star, if you see that as your conduit to fame, you need to be prepared to give up your privacy. Absolutely, all of it, because. Once you sign up for something like that, you have no idea what's coming on in your life. You have no idea what the next steps are going to be, but the cameras have access to all of it. 
So we're going to talk a little bit more about reality because it's such a big part of this this whole fame idea now. Um, we mentioned earlier Kim K, and I think that's probably like an entire show by itself, the Kardashians. We definitely are going to have to follow back up and do a show that's entirely dedicated to the Kardashians and the fact that they have been able to turn their family into... Like they're bigger than the first family. People people care less about the president and 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 his wife than they do about the Kardashians, as as said by Kanye. So we hope you'll tune back in next week, same time, Monday at 3 p.m. for the Fame Attic. Again, thanks to our guest, Mercedes Springer, production coordinator for your favorite reality shows out there. And we're gonna see you next week. Come on, let me make you famous, famous. Baby, you can be my star for me. Be, 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 be.